Section 4 of Some Passages of the Life and Death of the Right Honourable John Earl of Rochester by Gilbert Burnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He said, If a man says he cannot believe, what help is there? For he was not master of his own belief, and believing was at highest but a probable opinion. To this I answered that if a man will let a wanton conceit possess his fancy against these things, and never consider the evidence for religion on the other hand, but reject it upon a slight view of it, he ought not to say he cannot, but he will not believe, and while a man lives an ill course of life, he is not fitly qualified to examine the matter aright. Let him grow calm and virtuous, and upon due application examine things fairly, and then let him pronounce according to his conscience, if to take it at its lowest, the reasons on the one hand are not much stronger than they are on the other. For I found he was so possessed with the general conceit that a mixture of knaves and fools had made all extraordinary things be easily believed, that it carried him away to determine the matter, without so much as looking at the historical evidence for the truth of Christianity, which he had not inquired into, but had bent all his wit and study to the support of the other side. As for that, that believing is at best but an opinion, if the evidence be but probable, it is so. But if it be such that it cannot be questioned, it grows as certain as knowledge, for we are no less certain that there is a great town called Constantinople, the seat of the Ottoman Empire, than that there is another called London. We as little doubt that Queen Elizabeth once reigned, as that King Charles now reigns in England, so that believing may be as certain and as little subject to doubting as seeing or knowing." There are two sorts of believing divine matters. The one is wrought in us by our comparing all the evidence of matters of fact, for the confirmation of revealed religion with the prophecies in the scripture, where things were punctually predicted some ages before their completion, not in dark and doubtful words uttered like oracles, which might bend to any event, but in plain terms, as foretelling that Cyrus, by name, should send the jews back from the captivity after the fixed period of seventy years the history of the syrian and egyptian kings so punctually foretold by daniel and the prediction of the destruction of jerusalem with many circumstances relating to it made by our saviour joining these to the excellent rule and design of the scripture in matters of morality it is at least as reasonable to believe this as anything else in the world yet such a believing as this is only a general persuasion in the mind which has not the effect till a man applying himself to the directions set down in the scriptures which upon such evidence cannot be denied to be as reasonable as for a man to follow the prescriptions of a learned physician and when the rules are both good and easy to submit to them for the recovering of his health and by following these finds a power entering within him that frees him from the slavery of his appetites and passions that exalts his mind above the accidents of life and spreads an inward purity in his heart from which a serene and calm joy arises within him and good men by the efficacy these methods have upon them and from the returns of their prayers and other endeavours grow assured that these things are true and answerable to the promises they find registered in the scripture all this he said might be fancy but to this I answered, that as it were unreasonable to tell a man that is abroad, and knows he is awake, and perhaps he is in a dream, and in his bed, and only thinks he is abroad, or that as some go about in their sleep, so he may be asleep still, so good and religious men know, though others may be abused by their fancies, that they are under no such deception, and find they are neither hot nor enthusiastical, but under the power of calm and clear principles." all this he said he did not understand and that it was to assert or beg the thing in question which he could not comprehend 
as for the possibility of revelation it is a vain thing to deny it for as god gives us the sense of seeing material objects by our eyes and opened in some a capacity of apprehending high and sublime things of which other men seemed utterly incapable so it was a weak assertion that god cannot awake a power in some men's minds to apprehend and know some things in such a manner that others are not capable of it this is not half so incredible to us as sight is to a blind man who yet may be convinced there is a strange power of seeing that governs men of which he finds himself deprived as for the capacity put into such men's hands to deceive the world we are at the same time to consider that besides the probity of their tempers it cannot be thought but god can so forcibly bind up a man in some things that it should not be in his power to deliver them otherwise than as he gives him in commission besides the confirmation of miracles are a divine credential to warrant such persons in what they deliver to the world which cannot be imagined can be joined to a lie since this were to put the omnipotence of god to attest that which no honest man will do for the business of the fall of man and other things of which we cannot perhaps give ourselves a perfect account we who cannot fathom the secrets of the counsel of god do very unreasonably to take on us to reject an excellent system of good and holy rules because we cannot satisfy ourselves about some difficulties in them common experience tells us there is a great disorder in our natures which is not easily rectified all philosophers were sensible of it and every man that designs to govern himself by reason feels the struggle between it and nature so that it is plain there is a lapse of the higher powers of the soul but why said he could not this be rectified by some plain rules given but men must come and show a trick to persuade the world they speak to them in the name of god i answered that religion being a design to recover and save mankind was to be so opened as to awaken and work upon all sorts of people and generally men of a simplicity of mind were those that were the fittest objects for god to show his favour to therefore it was necessary that messengers sent from heaven should appear with such alarming evidences as might awaken the world and prepare them by some altogether astonishing signs to listen to the doctrine they were to deliver philosophy that was only a matter of fine speculation had few votaries and as there was no authority in it to bind the world to believe its dictates so they were only received by some of nobler and refined natures who could apply themselves to and delight in such notions but true religion was to be built on a foundation that should carry more weight on it and to have such convictions as might not only reach those who were already disposed to receive them but rouse up such as without great and sensible excitation would have otherwise slept on in their ill courses upon this and some such occasions i told him i saw the ill use he made of his wit by which he slurred the gravest things with a slight dash of his fancy and the pleasure he found in such wanton expressions as calling the doing of miracles the showing of a trick did really keep him from examining them with that care which such things required for the old testament we are so remote from that time we have so little knowledge of the language in which it was writ have so imperfect an account of the history of those ages know nothing of their customs forms of speech and several periods they might have by which they reckoned their time that it is rather a wonder we should understand so much of it and that many passages in it should be so dark to us the chief use it has to us christians is that from writings which the jews acknowledge to be divinely inspired it is manifest that the messiah was promised before the destruction of their temple which being done long ago and these prophecies agreeing to our saviour and to no other here is a great confirmation given to the gospel 
But though many things in these books could not be understood by us, who live above three thousand years after the chief of them were written, it is no such extraordinary matter. For that of the destruction of the Canaanites by the Israelites, it is to be considered that if God had sent a plague among them all, that could not have been found fault with. If then God had a right to take away their lives without injustice or cruelty, he had a right to appoint others to do it, as well to execute it by a more immediate way, and the taking away people by the sword is a much gentler way of dying than to be smitten with a plague or a famine. And for the children that were innocent of their father's faults, God could, in another state, make that up to them. So all the difficulty is, why were the Israelites commanded to execute a thing of such barbarity? But this will not seem so hard if we consider that this was to be no precedent for future times, since they did not do it, but upon special warrant and commission from heaven, evinced to all the world by such mighty miracles, as did plainly show that they were particularly designed by God to be executioners of his justice. And God, by employing them in so severe a service, intended to possess them with great horror of idolatry, which was punished in so extreme a manner. For the rites of their religion, we can ill judge of them, except we perfectly understood the idolatries round about them, to which we find they were much inclined. So they were to be bent by other rites to an extreme aversion from them, and yet by the pomp of many of their ceremonies and sacrifices, great indulgences were given to a people naturally fond of a visible splendor in religious worship. In all which, if we cannot descend to such satisfactory answers in every particular as a curious man would desire, it is no wonder. The long interval of time and other accidents have worn out those things which were necessary to give us a clearer light into the meaning of them. And for the story of the creation, how far some things in it may be parabolical and how far historical, has been much disputed. There is nothing in it that may not be historically true." for if it be acknowledged that spirits can form voices in the air for which we have as good authority as for anything in history then it is no wonder that eve being so lately created might be deceived and think a serpent spake to her when the evil spirit framed the voice but in all these things i told him he was in the wrong way when he examined the business of religion by some dark parts of scripture Therefore I desired him to consider the whole contexture of the Christian religion, the rules it gives and the methods it prescribes. Nothing can conduce more to the peace, order and happiness of the world than to be governed by its rules. Nothing is more for the interests of every man in particular, the rules of sobriety, temperance and moderation, were the best preservers of life, and, which was perhaps more, of health humility contempt of the vanities of the world and the being well employed raises a man's mind to a freedom from the follies and temptations that haunted the greatest part nothing was so generous and great as to supply the necessities of the poor and to forgive injuries nothing raised and maintained a man's reputation so much as to be exactly just and merciful kind charitable and compassionate nothing opened the powers of a man's soul so much as a calm temper a serene mind free of passion and disorder. Nothing made societies, families, and neighborhoods so happy as when these rules which the gospel prescribes took place, of doing as we would have others do to us, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. The Christian worship was also plain and simple, suitable to so pure a doctrine. The ceremonies of it were few and significant, as the admission to it by a washing with water and the memorial of our Saviour's death in bread and wine. The motives in it to persuade this purity were strong. 
that God sees us and will judge us for all our actions, that we shall be forever happy or miserable as we pass our lives here. The example of our Saviour's life and the great expressions of his love in dying for us are mighty engagements to obey and imitate him. The plain way of expression used by our Saviour and his apostles shows there was no artifice where there was so much simplicity used. There were no secrets kept only among the priests, but everything was open to all Christians. The rewards of holiness are not entirely put over to another state, but good men are specially blessed with peace in their consciences, great joy in the confidence they have of the love of God and of seeing him forever. And often a signal course of blessings follows them in their whole lives. But if at other times calamities fell on them, these were so much mitigated by the patience they were taught and the inward assistances with which they were furnished that even those crosses were converted to blessings. I desired he would lay all these things together and see what he could accept to them to make him think this was a contrivance. Interest appears in all human contrivances. Our Saviour plainly had none. He avoided applause, withdrew himself from the offers of a crown, he submitted to poverty and reproach and much contradiction in his life, and to a most ignominious and painful death. His apostles had none neither. They did not pretend either to power or wealth, but delivered a doctrine that must needs condemn them if they ever made such use of it. They declared their commission fully without reserves till other times. They recorded their own weakness, some of them wrought with their own hands, and when they received the charities of their converts, it was not so much to supply their own necessities as to distribute to others. They knew they were to suffer much for giving their testimonies to what they had seen and heard, in which so many in a thing so visible as Christ's resurrection and ascension, and the effusion of the Holy Ghost, which he had promised, could not be deceived, and they gave such public confirmations of it by the wonders they themselves wrought, that great multitudes were converted to a doctrine which, besides the opposition it gave to lust and passion, was borne down and persecuted for three hundred years, and yet its force was such that it not only weathered out all those storms, but even grew and spread vastly under them. Pliny, about threescore years after, found their numbers great and their lives innocent, and even Lucian, amidst all his raillery, gives a high testimony to their charity and contempt of life and other virtues of the Christians, which is likewise more than once done by malice itself, Julian the Apostate. If a man will lay all this in one balance and compare it with the few exceptions brought to it, he will soon find how strong the one and how slight the other are. Therefore it was an improper way to begin at some cavils about some passages in the New Testament or the Old, and from thence to prepossess one's mind against the whole. The right method had been first to consider the whole matter, and from so general a view to descend to more particular inquiries, whereas they suffered their minds to be forestalled with prejudices, so that they never examined the matter impartially. End of section 4